Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Rune, The Crew, and The Socially Unacceptable. It's the Conscious Effort Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hardwick. Alongside me, Kendall Bratton, Carla Sanchez, hiding over here behind the board. And today's guest is a country artist coming to us from Orleans. His name is Logan McKeegan. And before we get too deep, we have a reminder you can find every episode of the Conscious Effort Podcast at ConsciousEffortCreative.com. And you can like us, you can follow us, and you can subscribe on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. So, that said, I'm going to turn it over to you. Mr. McKeegan, how are you today? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you here. So, let's just jump in head first here. Uh, for everybody in our audience that does not yet know, you have an EP out, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you tell me a bit about that? Uh, yeah, uh, I recorded in uh, Nashville in 2020. And uh, yeah, man, it was a five-song EP and uh, recorded it with Dean Miller. What's the name of it again? Where can people find uh, it? Orange County Line. Orange County Line. Where can people go find that if they want to listen to it? It's everywhere, man. It's on it's on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. Spotify was where I was listening to it. I was mm-hmm. checking it out at the gym today before I came here again. Yeah, yeah. Spotify's yeah. yeah. So you said you record this down in Nashville. Nashville. Yep. Omni Sound Studios. I was gonna say it sounds like true blue Nashville country. It reminds me of what I grew up hearing my mother play a lot. It is. It's got like that uh you know, it's kinda got like that traditional twist on it too you know it's i feel like it kind of strays away a little bit from more like the mainstream stuff you'd hear but it still has that modern type of twist on it it does the the mainstream stuff sometimes today has a little bit more of a rock kind of feel mm-hmm. this reminds me a little bit more of like maybe a 90s early 2000s kind that's, of country yeah, that's uh was, was that some of your inspiration behind it yeah man that's i mean i feel like that was kind of like the golden era for country mm-hmm. anyway so there were a lot of big hits, a lot of big artists. That's I, what I, I was, agree. yeah. That's what I was kind of shooting for with the uh, with the album. So, what uh, what were some of your inspirations behind it? Like whether it's certain artists or uh, certain things you wrote about. Yeah, man. I just I really wanted to write about like some you know songs that people could relate to, and uh, yeah, basically just things that people could relate to, and you know a lot. A lot of it stems from like you know everything you might experience, like mm-hmm. relationships. Uh, you know, Orange County Line. That's just a basic. This is a song about home. I was gonna say there is a lot of that small town relatability to the music, mm-hmm. uh, even going right down to the name of the EP itself. Mm-hmm. So, it, when you went and did this in Nashville, did you have a band that went with you? I did not. Nope. It was all uh, studio players. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, there's a lot, that's a big thing in Nashville, mm-hmm. and a lot of those guys are really, really talented, and a lot of people probably don't know that there's a lot of session people, that that's what they do for a living. Well, it's it's cool, like, you know, when you write a song and you go in there, and all you've heard it, like, just acoustically, and those guys are so good, man, they just they just make it come to life. It's, it's you know, it's pretty wild how they do that, but... When you're working with a session musician, um, how much time do you get to spend with them like to, to work on the song like do they just come in and do it or are there notes to a song do they need to hear it beforehand they'll use yeah like they'll they'll spend a couple of days just listening to your song and uh and working it out themselves and then when you come in there you know they'll do the uh they'll do their part and then after that pretty much the whole next day is all vocal stuff so okay how long did you did it take you to do this ep down there uh two days two yeah. days yeah i wonder because you you into that by saying that the next day was all vocal stuff. Yeah, so I yeah. wondered if it was a very fast turnaround. Yeah, it's, it's usually like a two-day thing. Yeah. 
it sounds very, very good. And it's really impressive to hear that all that's done in just two days. There were some really good players on it, man. Mm -hmm. And Dean, you know, he's a really good, he's a good producer. So, so these session musicians you're working with, uh, did you have any part in finding them? Like, did you have to go hunt them down? Oh, no, no, no. Did they know people that they could put you in touch with to help bring this music? Yeah. Oh yeah. They, uh, Dean, he already had all the, all the hookups. And so (laughs) you mentioned Dean, can can you fill us in on who Dean is? Yeah. So Dean's a, uh, well, his dad's uh, Roger Miller. He's had pretty big songs back in the 50s, 60s, King of the Road. Uh, okay. Oh, nice. Songs like that. And uh, yeah, man, he was just, he contacted me on uh, Instagram. And it was kind of weird how it all played out because I had already had like, I'd really just got kind of serious about writing songs earlier that year. And then I had already had the songs that I used for the EP. And it was just all, it was crazy how it all just kind of, Happened like that. But. So did you already have all these songs written before you went down to Nashville? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, Orange County Line was the last song, and it was, uh, I was actually at work, man. I was I was doing construction that day, and I ended up writing that whole song. Just, it was actually before, it was more of like a, I came at it more like a poetic standpoint, because usually like when I write, I'll, uh, it's it's more like me and my guitar, and then I'll, I'll try to form the lyrics with the chord progression there. But here recently, I've just been, uh, you know, writing it down in my notes or something, and then going to form like a chord progression mm-hmm. around it. I I like that you mentioned how you wrote that. That's something I always wonder with other people that write music, whether they tend to come up with the music first and then put lyrics to it later, or if they tend to come up with lyrics first and then try to put music around that. You mm-hmm. you tend to do the, the, the music or yeah. a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. How did most of this come about, you say? Uh, the a little bit of half and half, or was it mostly music first, lyrics later? Yeah, it was about half and half, really, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, Orange County Line, I just the lyrics to that song just kind of fell out of me. You know, I yeah. was just like, those are the easy ones to write. And yeah, and that's and that's kind of like been the fan favorite. I feel like mm-hmm. that's that's the one that I get the best feedback on. And did that kind of did that play any part in why you named the EP after it? That, yeah. that that one came together so I, easily I felt, and just felt so yeah, right. Man, that one was the one that felt the most right. So I, was, yeah, I definitely feel like that it, that was a good, uh, good idea. So you said you didn't have a band when you first went down there to Nashville. What were you doing with these songs before then? Was it just you and acoustic guitar? Yeah, man, I wasn't even really playing anywhere. I was just, I was just, yeah, I just got into writing and, uh, and yeah, basically how it happened. But. So were you just making videos by yourself? Like, how did you get? paired up with with dean you said he yeah, got hold of um, you online uh if you weren't playing with anybody how did you guys meet uh i was uh posting videos on instagram okay yeah. okay yeah i remember i was up there fishing one day man and i seen a uh a message request from dean miller music and i was like oh, who's this guy you know and then, <laughs> and then i seen like, the is this uh, a spam account yeah, like, yeah. I seen the, uh, is this real who are you and how much money do you want i seen the, <laughs> I seen the message and uh like the first picture was him and ronnie dunn and i was like oh like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. I think it's pretty amazing that, like, you didn't even have to do anything. Like, they reached out to you. Like, that says a lot. I think that's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, he, he works with a lot of, you know, different like, artists, but yeah, he's worked with some big names. That's got to be a heck of an impression, though. To, yeah, that's what I mean. That, exactly, yeah. yeah. To reach out, thing. like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. First thing out of the gate, you get to have that kind of experience behind you yeah. making your first, like, appearance in the music. That's a really cool thing to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Omni's a good place too, man. It's like it wasn't it wasn't really what I was expecting. You know, I, I'd never been to a studio before, so I was 
but it's just this little small place, man. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's got, you know, all the gold records. It's got uh, Miranda Lambert's first record in there. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's where a lot of people kind of got their start. So, Where is it in that? Is it more like downtown Nashville or is it kind of tucked yeah, away it's, on the outskirts? It's, it's like right in the middle. It's like downtown. Yeah. Okay, okay. So it's like hard of Nashville kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. you've got uh, another single you've put out since then. One that came out here uh, this past yep, September. Yeah, that's uh, Indiana and Me. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that one. So that one, uh, well, when I when I wrote that one, I kind of had the idea for it just, just being like a basically just all acoustic song. Mm. And then uh, I got linked up with Tater Johnson from uh, the band 10 Years. And um, yeah, man, he, we went down there and uh, kind of just chipped away at it, chipped away at it for a long time. And there's actually a music video coming out, I think, this summer. So, so stay, so, yeah. stay tuned, everybody. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Go find Logan McKee again and stay tuned for that. Yeah, it's it's supposed to come out sometime in the summer or uh, early fall. So, so when you get hooked up with these guys, when they get a hold of you, like what what did they say to you? Like, did they did they pitch on any kind of idea? Did they just say, hey, what you've done is really impressive. Let's go record something. Like, wh- what's that like? I mean, I think they record with so many different people, man. You know, they're that's kind of like what they do. That's like their mm-hmm. job. So it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, like they think I'm talented. Just just from reaching out to me and stuff, but mm. there's, yeah, there's really not a whole lot of feedback like that type of way, but. They, uh, like, did they have to pitch you on going to, to Omni or? Yeah, he was, I think that's the studio that they, they that the producer usually goes to. One that to. they like to go to a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would imagine that if they've gone there before and have good success there, mm-hmm. like to go back to the same fish and hold Right. You, you said that you, it was just you and your guitar. You didn't have a band. You weren't playing out. When did you get into uh, to writing then? Was it right around just shortly before all this? Did it all just happen that fast? Yeah. Yeah, it was like maybe eight, six, eight months before I actually oh, wow. went to the studio. Of course, I mean, you know, I've been playing since I was 14. But I just, and I'd wrote songs and stuff, you know, over the years. But it just seems like that little, bre- that little period of time was when I was like really heavy into writing. And then it just... And then that's when he got a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Had you ever played out with a band before? I have, yeah. Um, mostly just acoustic shows. You know, I've played at the Mitchell Opera House. I've played at a couple A-Bait concerts or mm-hmm. biker concerts and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, man, but it's it kind of sporadic, really. You know, it's kind of all over the place. But, um, but yeah, as far as having like a full a full band, I've, pl- I've played more shows, just me and my guitar, just acoustically mm-hmm. than... A full band but it's definitely a lot more fun with a full band <laughs> yeah 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 have you been able to perform any of this stuff with a full band since then i know it's been hard for a lot of people to do during this COVID period yeah uh yeah it's that's definitely kind of been a factor um the last show i played was uh friday night on the square that was with a full band friday night on the square where's that uh, at salem salem yeah man uh this is a pretty good turnout um they was having a car show and all kinds of cool stuff so um, but yeah, that was the last place I played with the full band, but yeah, we played a couple of my originals and there was, you know, th- there wasn't like a whole lot of people who knew me or knew of the band, but, but, uh, yeah, it seemed to be pretty good. So is, are you, are you guys out playing still? Uh, our, our schedules right now are so like conflicting. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to really, man, it's been hard to even practice lately. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, it just. Our schedules are so just all over the place, but 
you know, I still try to do my homework and hmm. make sure that we're not just totally like lose all of our. Right. Cohesion. Don't want to lose all of your steam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you do have, uh, some guys you're playing with, uh, and, and trying to get out there yeah. and, and get in more places. Right. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Orleans, the depot though. You said you've never played. Never played the depot. depot. That's, that's in your own backyard. I know, man. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly. Oh, depot. Still have not played the depot. So what's the, what's the furthest away that you have played? I know you said you've gone down to Nashville and recorded and you've played in places like Salem, mm -hmm. but you've not played in your own backyard. I know, it's weird. <laughs> you tend to go like further away? Yeah, um, that just seems to be how it happens, man. Mm -hmm. um, you just go wherever the fish are biting. Pretty much. Yeah, whoever yeah. will have you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Honestly, it could, it could be better that way too because if you're playing local all the time, you kind of miss that opportunity of being able to really spread out. Um, there's still that option that it may happen. But the more that you get your name and your foot more into more doors, there's more of a chance that people are going to hear from you from even further away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something like that makes it a lot better when you go out and play because you, know, you might go to a different city and they actually love you more than what you thought your hometown would. And mm -hmm. then next time, you know, that might become your next hometown. You never know mm -hmm. what you're going to find whenever you just go out there and really like, just take that chance on that. Yeah, it's, it's it seems like, well, I mean everybody in town already knows I play anyway. So it's, mm. that's, I guess that was kind of my thing to just try to branch out and mm. try to reach like newer audiences and stuff like that. So when did you first start playing out? Uh, the first show I ever played, I was 16. I played at the, or about 17, played at the Campbellsburg Hoedown. So. Campbellsburg <laughs> Hoedown. Yeah. Yeah, man. And then I had my first, uh, I do demo. Well, I used to do demolition derbies in the summertime. Um, I had my first show and my first demolition derby that day. So you ever you ever been in any rodeos or done anything like that? I bet you could find a good audience there. No, I had a buddy. Uh, one of my buddies, he does. Well, used to do rodeos, um, but yeah, I'd always go with him. It was a good time. There's a big one over in uh, Palestine, Illinois, every mm -hmm. year. Usually, I think it's sometime around maybe September. I've been to the ones in uh, uh, Double B's in Mooresville. In Mooresville, that's kind of up north. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, north of Bloomington. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been up quite that far. I've been up further than Mooresville, but I'm not familiar with the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no, I didn't know they had a rodeo up there. Yeah, it's pretty sweet, man. You played there or just gone? Oh, no, 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 I just watched my buddy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a bull rider, so. Nice, nice. I always like the, uh, I like the calf roping, and I like the bulldogging. Yeah, it's wild how they do that. That that was always exciting to me. I always wish I could throw a rope like that, mm -hmm. but <laughs> never could figure that part out. But last summer, I was telling him earlier before we got up on here, we were I was involved with a country band that did a couple of rodeos, and I had never been to one before. And now I can say that those aren't that whatever this isn't going to be my first rodeo. But also, like, it takes a lot of power to be able to do that stuff. I don't know if I could get into a you know a certain space with something that big. Just watching them walk around was pretty scary to me, honestly. <laughs> I think this, yeah, man, like bull riding, I think the scariest part just being in the chute, like just being on top of it. Because I've seen, cause fuck, I mean, there's been a couple times where the bull has actually like stood up on its back legs mm -hmm. and, you know. And there's nowhere you can go in that chute. No, man. You're closed well, I, in. I think you can, <laughs> I think you can roll like under the, oh, okay. uh, there's the under, gate. Uh, like under I, think, the fence. I think they leave it enough to where you can actually roll under the gate. But yeah, because I could see if they got real feisty. Uh, you get trapped in that chute real oh, easily. Man, yeah. There are some big beasts there. There's some big horses there too. You ever seen like the big draft horses? Oh yeah, dude. Those yeah. things look like dinosaurs. You stand yeah. next to one. Yeah, and then you get on. Dinosaurs. Yeah, get, these guys get on the back of them, man. Just 
Yeah, that's wild. There was a guy in Washington, a uh, place we used to frequent a lot. They had a ranch there, mm-hmm. and he had some draft horses. And I remember I was in high school. I was you know, small kid, and the neck on that thing was like three of me standing side by side. Mm-hmm. I was always just used to seeing quarter horses, like the horses that people ride, not draft horses that pull wagons and whatnot. But those things are massive. Yeah, and they're scary, dude, once they get going. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. It, look, it looks kind of fun, but then again, it's just like, eh, I don't know if that's for me. Man. It would be cool to be on one, but you realize very quickly, if that thing decided it wanted to do something else, you couldn't stop it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll watch from a safe distance. Yeah. You can count me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play the show where other people are doing that. <laughs> what have you got uh, uh, cooking in the works since then, I know yeah. we talked before. You said you had some more music that you were uh, you were working on. Yeah, so I got two songs that uh, I wrote, and then I got a uh, I have a song coming out that uh, was pitched to me by uh, some of the people in Nashville, and one of the dudes on it, uh, he's actually wrote for like Jason Aldean and Travis Tritt and stuff oh, like okay. that. So that's that's what I'm pretty excited for, and then obviously the two I wrote. So mm, nice. So again, stay tuned, everybody. Hmm. Logan McKeegan, go find him because you'll want to hear that whenever it comes out. Yeah, I've been trying to like add some little more like upbeat, less depressing type of stuff to my set. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. A little more dancing tunes, a less drinking tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's popular. It, it doesn't hurt to go a little honky tonk. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. a little little, little square dancing. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Alan Jackson do it. I feel like it's lost <laughs> it at that rate. <laughs> so when you write your songs how long does it usually take you uh to write one like you ever i know you said before like orange county line that was one that just felt like it kind of just poured out of you you ever have some that just feel like a grind mm-hmm. like you have the idea say for the chords and then you can't think of a chorus or anything for like six months and then one day boom you get it yeah that happens a lot mm-hmm. i mean there's there's been songs that you know, I still got songs in my notes that have been in there for almost a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a lot of unfinished songs, but, it, it, you know, it usually it doesn't take, I mean, it doesn't take very long. I mean, maybe a couple months for me, but I, I, I just, like, I'll start different songs and then I'll just always come back to them. Mm-hmm. But then you got those songs like Orange County Line that just kind of just, you know, falls out of you. And then, but. That's the nice thing about keeping track of it at notes you got stuff you can go back to Mm -hmm. and revisit whenever you get that new inspiration Mm -hmm. i uh i used to do that sort of thing a lot and would get to the point where i would sometimes record little things on my phone for the same reason you might get an idea for something but not figure out how to finish it for Mm -hmm. a couple months and i'm sure i've forgotten tons of stuff over the years because i was too stubborn to write it down what's really bad is like when you have a dream about it and then you're like oh "Oh my god I, I gotta remember that. this. <laughs> you hear a really good song in your dream, and you wake up and you scramble and trying to remember it before you forget it. I've done that. I've done that. Yeah. It, it, it's a dream at first, and then it just becomes a nightmare trying to remember what it was. There's it's, yeah, it's like it's just gone forever, man. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been a hit, but you, you, know, had that, you guys have all had the same dream. Like, I've had that that dream before. There was a period of time I used to sleep with my guitar leaning up against my bed because I would wake up and I'd have an idea for something. And my way of remembering it was if I could sit and play it real quickly, then then I'd probably remember it. But if I just tried to keep it in my head and go back to sleep, I'd forget it. That's crazy. We know the Mexican trumpets in Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash. Yeah. That's, he heard those in his dream. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I've never heard wow. that story. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know how I remembered it, but... 
<laughs> I don't know. Then again, he's Johnny Cash. So. Yeah, I, I feel good that's that somebody awesome. else has, has experienced this sort of thing before. Cause yeah. I have, and it, but it sounds like a crazy thing to say out loud unless somebody else is like, yeah, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was uh, Tom Schultz of Boston. Uh, back on their early records, they had More Than a Feeling, which was probably their, the biggest hit ever. Everyone knows that. It comes on the radio. You're driving from 50 to 70. Mm -hmm. Windows down, hair's flying everywhere, if you have hair. And not a care in the world. And I remember reading in an interview that those sections in that song were actually all different ideas of different songs that they had. And they ended up figuring out, well, these are in the same key. These are the same speed. Why not combine them together? And then it, like... It all just kind of worked. Like yeah. puzzle pieces that just yeah. happen all fit with one another. I'd come to find, like, writing ideas and stuff with different artists that I've grown up with or just people I've met like it's it's hard for me to write personally like mm -hmm. lyrically I can't do very well but I can always come up with just something that fits in really well so I like more or less to come in on a project and know that there are some ideas or some elements that I can kind of feed off of much of like what a studio musician would do or someone that's kind of a, a calling guy mm -hmm. and but as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I've got stuff that I wrote six or seven years ago that it's just, it's hard to figure out what to do with it. So I always give that out the option of other people. Like, what can we do with this then? It doesn't hurt to keep a hold of old ideas because you never know what they could be in the future. But you still just want to don't focus on them too much because the more that you try to do something with it, the more less interested you're going to get into it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get burned out. And by the time that if it becomes something big, you're going to be like... I could have written this seven years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <Why couldn't? laughs> yeah, those those uh, those guys from that era, man. That I really idolized all those guys because how they wrote all those just timeless songs, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Well, like I wonder, like if the music nowadays are going to be as timeless as those. You know, I feel oh, like they would yeah. be. But like twenty years from now, will people look back on this music and mm -hmm. feel the same way that people? felt about music from the 70s 20 years after yeah. that because that's still playing on radio stations today it's how nice. much of stuff from today you think will still be playing on a radio station 20 years from now hmm. hopefully all of it still i just love music mm -hmm. <laughs> you're gonna have to change the name of the uh, the radio stations what's that mean where they've got you know all the greatest hits from the 70s and the 80s and and today's music yeah today's music is slowly starting to encompass like three decades yeah there's 70s, 80s, and then everything else. We're going to have to start changing Spine. it up a little bit. Mine getting older. The 90s are becoming yeah. the classics, mm -hmm. and you know, mm -hmm. today's music is, is kind of becoming, will be the classics like by the time 2030 hits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You start to feel old when you start hearing like Pearl Jam on the classic rock station. Oh, dude, I hate that. <laughs> You're not even that old, Kendall. No. I, mean, I just hate the idea that that's like all the music that I grew up listening to. Like, I wasn't as big into the like, the most pop that I like listened to whenever I was growing up, going to like middle school and stuff, was like maybe Maroon Five or uh, the newer No Doubt stuff, which No Doubt goes back to what was the that's, first? That's the probably nineties. It was like ninety three or ninety four. So like kind of mid nineties. So it's like I grew up on that's all this older 90s. music in a time where all of my friends were listening to uh, more just hip hop and rap. So like Lil Wayne was like really really big in school whenever I was going through that, and I just wasn't in for it because. I learned off of ACDC and 38 Special and, mm -hmm. and Led Zeppelin and all of just the greats that inspired others to do what they're doing today. And it's just, what is music at this point, you know? <laughs> Did you grow up listening to a lot of country music, I assume? I, yeah, I grew up listening to everything. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my dad, well, he was like more of a classic rock type of dude. Okay, so, yeah. And then, like my grandpa and 
all the people on my mom's side, they're more like, you know, classic country. That sounds a lot like how I grew up. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then as time went on, you kind of gravitated more toward the countryside. Yeah, but we, I mean, when, when, when I was playing with the band, we, we would like incorporate a lot of Southern rock type. Okay. Type of feel. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, seems we, like that fits in really well with the country music. There's a little bit of an overlap there, mm-hmm. like kind of a, it, it's rock with a country kind of twins to it. Yeah, we would cover like Marshall Tucker, mm-hmm. uh, Leonard Skinner, you know, all the, all the big Southern rock bands, you know, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, did you ever play like electric guitar or any of that, or have you always just played acoustic? Just acoustic. Just acoustic. Have you ever had any desire to pick up an electric guitar and just oh, make yeah, a ton yeah. of noise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It gets addicting. Mm-hmm. You guys, uh, uh, maybe you've never ran into this sort of thing, but you ever get told you're too loud as a band? You ever run into uh, that playing in a bar? Well, when we when we were playing at uh, my old bass player's house, yeah, the neighbors and shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the neighbors complained? <laughs> the neighbors, oh, yeah. Yep. It's pretty shocking, but run into that sort of thing in the band that's a side effect of it you know it's it's hard to do it and uh do it quietly because mm-hmm. it's not fun to do so i'll tell you what um speaking of doing things and not being quiet about it, we're gonna take a short break <laughs> then we'll come we'll come right back we'll pick up where we left Wake off up, Kendall. stay tuned everybody you want to support the Conscious Effort Podcast, you can go to ConsciousEffortCreative.com, click on shop, and get your very own effort t-shirt. And if you use code CEPOD at checkout, you can save 25%. That's the letter C, the letter E, POD, for 25% at checkout. Shop now at ConsciousEffortCreative.com. And now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, Logan, right before we left off, we were talking about playing a band, making loud noise and all that. Real quickly, though, we were talking between the break. Uh, can you tell everybody what your social media stuff is, where they can find you on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, uh, yeah, Facebook is just Logan McKeegan Music, and then uh, Instagram is Logan McKeegan underscore music. Mm-hmm. We'll put all that up for you right underneath here so you can find that. You can go look it up, save it, like it, follow it, subscribe to it. With that being said, uh, let's jump back to where we were in our, our, our previous conversation here. Um, you said you grew up listening to a mixture of like classic rock mm-hmm. and uh, uh, country music. You played some uh, like southern rock, kind of like the in-between sort of thing. I always wonder other musicians what other music they're interested in or other music that they draw inspiration from outside of their, their typical genre. Is there other stuff you listen to that maybe you borrow bits and pieces from that help you in the music that you write? Yeah, I mean, I guess it just comes from having such a broad range of just, you know, I mean, I listen to everything. So mm-hmm. I could be listening to Bruce Hornsby one second and listening to Tupac the next, man. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's like, but yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I get a little inspiration from mm-hmm. What's some stuff that, like, you grew up listening to that that, like, sticks out in your mind when you think about... Uh, like your childhood or, or, or music that got you interested in the music and wanting to play it? Well, I guess if I was, you know, in the truck with my dad, it'd be like ACDC, Van Halen, stuff like that. Mm. And then, uh, you know, if I was riding around with my grandpa or something, it'd be like Merle Haggard or George, you know, like all the old outlaw country type yeah, dudes. Yeah, yeah. So, 
like a little bit of a blend of those, I guess you could say. Was there ever any band that you heard or any record you heard that gave you that light bulb moment that made you think, that's what I want to do. I want to play music. Well, how it really started, man, was uh, I think I was I think I was at my dad's house. My aunt Chelsea was there, and uh, I was playing Amarillo by Morning just on the uh, on YouTube, and I was mm-hmm. singing along with it. She's like, "Why are you kind of singing?" I was like, "Really?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then I think it was a couple months later, man. I was taking guitar lessons. So you mentioned singing, so this is something I noticed uh, both in your music and the first time I met you here. You have that very archetypical, deep, gutsy kind of country voice. I assume a lot of that is something a person's born with, but is there any kind of singing technique that goes into that whenever you go to sing a country tune and you're trying to kind of uh, you know, pull that out? Well, I mean, I try to sound like myself as much as I can, you know, I mean, you know, you'll have, you'll have your influences and stuff and like, you know, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a real shocking thing that like people will kind of like not really steal, but uh, I don't know. They just take like other people's phrasing, like maybe their mm-hmm. favorite artist. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just I just try to uh, be as original as I can. Do you find that very easy to do? And I ask that as somebody who doesn't sing. Like it's not ever anything that I really practiced. Nothing I was ever really. I never really thought of being a singer. The few times that I have tried to sing something for something I wrote, like for a demo, mm-hmm. I always find not being a singer, I have a habit of trying to sing like other people that I like. Do you do you ever run into that or did you run into that early on? When I do covers, that's, yeah, man, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to not do that. Cause like when you play the cover, it's like yeah. you're hearing how they do it, you know? I had a, a singer friend tell me that once, like especially about covers specifically, that it's really hard to not try to sing a cover like the person that originally sang it. Oh yeah, it's, it's difficult. I could relate. <laughs> yeah, because Kendall here sings. So I'm sure that's something that you can relate to more. I've never ran into that. I, I, when it comes to singing like covers of stuff, I, I tend to focus more on uh, the aspect of like emphasizing certain consonants or like certain rhythms of uh, other people mm-hmm. versus like I don't try to sound like their voice because everybody's voice is unique in their own way. And certain people, it just it won't cut it or that will be something that I feel like will damage my voice overnight. And if I got another set to play and if I'm playing more songs than that than I'm singing in the next one, I, I can't like risk having like a really like shot voice. Like, Cause that does not go over well. I've watched bands do it before. I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to, it's kind of, you have to find like that weird balance of like trying to preserve your, right. your voice. But mm. Do you have singers that like you really admire like a, like a top five sort of list, like favorite guys that I've I've got a lot see. of favorites. Um, I would say that like an artist that I really kept up on over the years and like all of his albums and all that shit was probably Jason Aldean. Mm-hmm. So that's that's probably like a big one for me. And I've always felt like I could relate to a lot of his songs. So, is there anybody guitar wise you you feel that way about? I know you said you play guitar, but. Uh, Singing's probably maybe more your your number one instrument. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess, and mm-hmm. maybe the guitar is kind of number two. Is there anybody that plays guitar you feel that way about? I've always been a big Jimmy Page fan. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard not to be. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of classic stuff there. Jimmy Page, um, Jimi Hendrix, you know, all the old, all those old, you know, greats. So, you ever tried like in the slide kind of stuff, or do you just stick to the standard? acoustic sort of playing i'd like to learn someday mm-hmm. like how to do like more solos and stuff and 
all that but uh yeah it's just basically just all chords for me man. yeah i had heard like there's some slide stuff on uh, on your record orange county line there mm-hmm. so i wondered if that was anything that you ever ever dabbled in yourself no i'd like to just, that i've i got a slide i've never actually learned how to use it properly it's just a noise making tool for me but i kind of feel the same way it's something i wish mm-hmm. i knew how to do and do well <laughs> but yeah well it's like uh I mean, I, I don't know if there's like really a, is, is there like a correct way to actually do it? Um, I mean, I think there's, I don't know if there's a correct way. I know there are wrong ways to do I've it. I've heard of people using I can tell you that much. beer bottles and shit. Too. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That actually looks really cool in a mm-hmm. bar. People really get amped up about that. I don't oh, yeah. know why, but it just looks cool to them. <laughs> um, a couple of uh, slide players I like to think of whenever I, I have a slide and I try to uh, practice on it every once in a while just to kind of get used to it more. Um, open tunings are really big for that, and it helps out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as um, a couple of bands that I'll listen to for that kind of a thing are Allman Brothers and mm. uh, Derek Trucks's bands. Like Derek Trucks, I think is probably the best slide player of like not like uh, what do we call that paddle or a pad steel? Oh, uh, there's a pedal steel. Pedal steel. Like mm-hmm. yeah, there are definitely other ones like that that I think would be. Uh, better to look at for that aspect, but just playing guitar and playing slide, it would Derek Trucks would be the guy that I would go to to watch how he does it. Um, but the one thing that I learned, like once I got a slide, I thought, oh, you just put it up against the strings and you push them and you just slide around. Now you have to let that thing glide against, yeah, because those frets are still good. You're going to still hear it unless it's a uh, unless you have like a, a fretless guitar, which are not very often seen anywhere. But I'd say that it'd be something that'd be really cool to learn more for myself. And I would recommend that, especially if you're going to be doing this kind of stuff, it'd be something that you could throw in there to kind of give maybe even more, a little bit of a Southern rock feel. If you wanted to do that in your music at some point, mm-hmm. it definitely adds that extra element. That's really cool. And like, Whoa. Yeah. I really like, uh, uh, Billy Gibbons. Did he talk when he's oh, playing, yeah. when he's playing, he plays a lot of slide, you know, yeah. I actually yeah. just, I guess I never really noticed it until we started talking about it, but yeah, he does, man. Mm-hmm. He plays a lot of slide. He's a he's a mean guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a hell of a beard too. Damn it. It is, yeah. I love it. <laughs> About the only guy that can make Ryan's beard look small. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw Ryan, you get that joke. Uh-huh. Now you you talked about playing uh, covers, or do you ever have like any favorite covers that you like to throw on your set? Like what's some kind of stuff? I know you mentioned uh, like Leonard Skinner and Marshall Tucker Band. Uh, are there any like favorites? I've always like I've always covered "Can't You See" by the Marshall Tucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, that's a that's that's a big one I always cover. Uh, "Fire on the Mountain," I always mm-hmm. always uh, covered that one as well. You talking about like the the Bob Dylan "Fire on the Mountain" or Marshall Tucker? Marshall Tucker "Fire on the Mountain." Mm-hmm. There's probably I'm, a lot I'm, of different le- I'm more familiar with Bob Dylan than I am really? Marshall Tucker. So that's why I asked. Oh man, I'm sure there's so many different versions of that song. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just one of those songs that everybody covers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan was one of those guys. He wrote a lot of songs that people ended up covering, like all on the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix ended up doing a version of that. Uh, what was the other uh, big one? Um, was it Knocking on Heaven's Door? Yeah, Knocking on Heaven's Door. Guns and Roses did mm-hmm. that in the nineties, and that went over really well. It's just kind of weird to think that there's a lot of songs that people have covered that they got a lot of attention from, and it was all from him. You know, a lot of people don't really realize that Bob Dylan was actually like one of the first rappers too. He was. I mean, he he would incorporate like. I could see that in a way because I've always kind of argued that Bob Dylan and and I would even throw Jimi Hendrix in this category a little bit. Mm-hmm. When the way they sang, they almost kind of spoke more melodically than they mm-hmm. than they actually sang. Mm-hmm. 
like a lot of the uh, a lot of the vocals are kind of offbeat. Some of them are kind of off tune. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that but, just adds to like the rawness. I feel. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never thought about it in that kind of respect, but mm -hmm. in a way, I could see where it kind of it kind of lays some groundwork for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It kind of has that connection point between like really old like blues, like BB King and all those guys, like. Jimi Hendrix and them are the ones that kind of connected that with, you know, story time teller rap. Like, uh, Notorious B.I.G. is like one of the big guys that's right. oh, yeah. really big about story time, like kind of rapping and just, mm -hmm. here's how my day Well, like the song, I got a story to tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, they, they were kind of like this cool, like, transitional period between them that you could hear it in both aspects and how the music grew to be able to do that kind of a thing. That's really cool. Well, he was a great lyricist too, man. I mean, he's... It's nuts. <laughs> You know, it's, I don't know of anybody who's really kind of came close to him, but. On yeah. the subject of playing covers, is there ever a cover that you really wanted to do, but just never been able to? Like either you couldn't sing it or had some weird instrument that you just couldn't pull I'm off? I'm sure there has, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's been a lot of songs where I'm like, man, I'd love to cover that song. And then you just know when it's going to happen. It just doesn't fit in your <laughs> wheelhouse. Uh -huh. It's like, I just, I don't have that thing to do it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, the the group of guys that you're playing with and stuff you uh, you guys aren't playing out currently. Is there anything you have kind of off in the future? Any kind of uh, festivals or maybe like uh, milestones you guys are, are looking at trying to hit? Uh, we don't have anything planned as as of that, but uh, we do have a song called Black Iron Rails. It's a uh, it's it kind of teeters over into that more southern rock kind of. Okay, feel. okay, awesome. And uh, yeah, it's a song about a train conductor. And, it's an uh, original song. Yeah, it's an original song. Um, Andy, he's uh, my lead guitarist. He sent me the uh, just basically the melody, what he had, and uh, I listened to it for a couple of days. And then one day, man, I just pulled into Huck's parking lot and just wrote that whole song. Mm. And it's it's probably one of my favorite ones to play. Um, I can't wait till we get it uh, get it recorded. Was that different? Mm. Like when you guys were were putting that song together, was that different than putting together your own music? It was the first time I'd ever really did that. Like. Cause, with, I mean, with a group? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've never co-wrote with anybody. and I mean, I wrote the lyrics to that, but he came up with the, the melody. So. Mm. Did that one feel like it came together any easier, any harder than trying to work on your own stuff where you, you're kind of creating all of it? Or that actually felt like it came together really easy. Yeah. I mean, because he, you know, he sent me the, the melodies, and uh, it was just easier for me because, like, just... I guess, you know, if you go on a drive or something and you're just like kind of listening to it hmm. and you're trying to form like some lyrics or, or the general feel of the song. And uh, yeah, well, he I think he actually already had the song title. Hmm. So then I just kind of incorporated like, he's a train conductor. And I, the song's actually kind of set, not in this time frame, it's like back in like the 20s, 30s. That's okay. kind of like the idea we kind of have for it. Nice. The group, does it have a name yet or is it still just kind of in the working stages? This is, yeah, it's just the working stages. Okay, okay. You know, we kind of, we thought about calling it the Logan McKeegan band or just using my name. We, mm -hmm. we were the Buckshot band for like a week, you know? It's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've had those where you, you're you kind of fishing for names and one week you're, you're mm -hmm. this. I had a group that went through three different names. Yeah, it's, this is one of those deals. Mm. One of the recent bands that I've been uh, involved with that I was telling you about earlier, it's a newer one. We went through five or six names and we haven't even played a show yet, so... I think you guys are doing fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember now uh, what I wanted to ask you. The, the, the group, 
How did you come in touch with those guys? Was it through your music that you had already written and recorded, or did you meet them through other ways? It definitely, you know, it helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I was already playing with one dude, and he kind of met them through, like, uh, I think it's, like, Bandmate or something like that. Is that, like... Um, Craigslist, Bandmate. Uh, okay, yeah. All, all like pretty much. Like, wanted ads for a musician. Right, kind of deal. yeah, yeah. That's a very old school way to do it. You don't see that a whole lot anymore, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they would even form a band back in the day, man. Like, I guess it's word of mouth, I guess. Either word of mouth or, I guess, newspaper ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, classifieds. Yeah. Classifieds, yeah. Singer looking for, you know, bassist, guitarist, whatever, or band looking for a specific member, which I wonder if you could even still do that nowadays. I feel like that'd be a really cool project just to see. Let's put it out in the paper and see what kind of a band we could form out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it'd be kind of wild. You never know who would come out of that and what music you could make with that kind of influence is just coming out of the woodworks. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminds me of that group, this has been years ago now, called the Postal Service. Mm-hmm. And didn't those guys, they, they all knew one another or knew of one another, but I believe the way that they made the music is they just sent it back and forth. Yeah. And also they, they were like mailman type dudes? No, they were, they were musicians. But I think the band was called the Postal Service because I don't think the group ever actually got together to make any of it. Like one guy would, you know, do a demo and he'd send it to the rest of the band and then they might add like a vocal line to it and they'd send it to the rest of the group and then they might add guitar to it and send it back and forth. And I don't know, I could be... I could be wrong on this, but I don't, I don't think that they ever like got together to do it. They did it all just send the music back and forth. Mm -hmm. There's a, The Killers, um, before they wrote Mr. Brightside and all their really big hits before their first album, um, there's a live video you can watch of them playing Mr. Brightside where they tell the story of how the band started, and it was from a classified uh, segment that the singer made, and he got in contact with the guitar player, and the guitar player had like an 8-track, and he showed him it, and that was the first like demo he had, and that's what kind of where the band <clears throat> kind of grew from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, if I could get together with the people and make the next Mr. Brightside, I'd, I'd put a postal ad in right now about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make a lot of money off of that. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can buy a brand new drum set, Kendall. Oh, big drum set. Big drum set. <laughs> you could have two kick drums. Two drum sets. <laughs> yeah, but you, you couldn't play them both, though. There'd be no sense in having two drum sets. You want to play drums, Tyler? <laughs> Dude, I always wanted to play drums. Oh. That was actually one of the first instruments I ever got as a kid. Yeah. I wanted to be a drummer very badly. See, I didn't know that you played drums earlier. I thought you always were a guitar player and you just... No. Know, like, don't, forget, don't forget the trumpet. We play trumpet. Yeah. Me and yeah. Tyler play trumpet. I don't know why I'm looking over. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how you got <laughs> started. What camera am I supposed to look at? I don't know. <laughs> there's, what? There's, there's, they're all scattered <laughs> around here. Because they're looking at you. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we play trumpet. So, you know, if you want, Logan, if you want to play, you know, Johnny Cash cover, just hit us up. Yeah, that's right. We'll play some Mexican trumpet in the background. We got this shit. <laughs> we got this did shit. you, have you always played like just guitar and just sang or I mean, like Kyla was saying, did you ever play anything like school band or anything like that? No, nah, I never did, man. Uh, you know, I played guitar and I've also tried to play like banjo and bass, uh, mandolin, stuff like that. But. Mm. But uh, I never got super into it. Like Kyla was saying, we were uh, we were band geeks in school, so we were trumpet players. And then before that, I wanted to be a drummer. So we had, growing up, we had a piano, and then there were guitars. 
and dad used to like to play like Bob Dylan mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Seger. He'd play some Willie Nelson. And, and then I, I, I got a drum set. I did not know anything about beats. I just knew that it made noise. And uh, I ended up playing trumpet in the high school band. Because everybody, everybody signed up for percussion, so that got filled up real quickly. And then I yes. wanted to play saxophone, because saxophone's cool, right? You know, play some sexy, jazzy saxophone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Over a nice candlelit place. Yeah, that I, sounds I, like a great way <laughs> to make friends and make trouble. But I couldn't make a sound out of a reed to save my life, so I ended up a trumpet yeah. player. Yeah, I, I tried out for for band, and I wanted to be a percussionist of some sort. I mainly wanted to be a drummer, but you know, quads or, or snare, I would have been willing to learn that. But they already had all those spots filled back fifth sixth grade, so same, I had same to, here. So I just focused on guitar, hung out with some buddies, and did some work at church, and like played in a praise band. And uh, eventually, um, there it was probably my junior or senior year. Um, our band director left, and we got a new one. And he was actually looking for a guitar player, and they had a bass player already in the band. And they were looking around. He's like, "Is anybody in here play guitar? You want to do that?" And they're like, "No, we know this guy that's a junior that plays really well." And that's how I got in with the pet band. So I never was in pet band, but I played with them mm. for like a year or two. You were guilty by association. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We we ended up like doing. Uh, I went in there one morning, and we ended up playing Thunderstruck just as a joke. And the director was in his room like doing homework of his own, and he told us to keep it quiet. So I was like, I brought it down a little bit, and everybody in the room started you know getting hyped up. It's mm-hmm. like eight thirty in Thunder. the morning, and he comes out there, and he's like. Kendall, you want to come to the the pep game tonight and play that? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and that's kind of how I kind of got my foot in the door there. And accidentally got yourself a gig. Yeah, yeah. I played about four or five uh, games doing that, and then played a couple of pep sessions. Um, the original arrangement for uh, Crazy Train that they had only had one half of the uh, solo section. Yeah, right we had now. a guy that played the, uh, the the Crazy Train solo to that. Yeah. And, and same sort of deal. You've got to like stretch it out because the Pet Band version is yeah shrunk it's, down. And we, we were looking at it and they're like, you play Crazy Train? And I'm like, I know how to play it. I don't know if it'll look, work really well in this setting, but I'm all up, I'm all for it. And I didn't realize what concert pitch. And Those tunings like are that. different. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to play it, which you can, I think the original song was written in uh, E-flat tuning. And it was played in A flat key. The concert version was in C, so I had to like tune my guitar down. I do this because I'll explain that, but it had to be down to like C tuning for in order for me to be able to get to it. Yeah, I, I ran into that. I had just bought this pedal that has this pitch shifter adjustment piece into it, so I did this whole like chord and I brought it down. Everyone's like, "Whoa, really? Did you just tune your guitar?" I'm like, "Not really. <laughs> I cheated." <laughs> We ended up Magic. It. We ended up going through it, and I played the solo, and like everybody, just kind of, whoa, you can do that. And I'm like, I, mean, I haven't planned it a lot. I don't play the stuff you guys normally do, but this is just what I've been doing, and mm. it worked out really well for a year or two. And it was a lot of fun to do that with them, and I made a lot of friends through that. Kind of boosted my uh, self esteem throughout that time period as well. But you know, now everybody reminds me of that, and I'm just like, man, that nah, was before I was famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like. Uh... Like like the kids, you know, they like back in the. I mean, it seems like Crazy Train is like the one song that everybody's like, uh huh. Like, yeah. dude, can you play guitar? Can you play Crazy Train? I mean, yeah. 
It's either that or eruption or freebird. Those or three stairway are like, to heaven or something. Yeah, yeah. stairway yeah. to heaven. I never. I just. I. I learned parts of Stairway to Heaven. I never really yep. learned to play it all the way through because it's like eleven minutes. And oh yeah. I just didn't have the patience to sit and learn the whole way through. Because I mean, actually, we did play it out live once uh, at the Catfish Festival. I think it was the only time we ever played that song. You see, you guys played Catfish, but you didn't play Catfish. Ryan. Uh, <laughs> Ryan ripped out his vocal cords trying to sing Robert Plant at the very end. Oh, I could see that. That's what you got to do to hit those notes, man. It's nuts, Robert Plant. He's he sings a lot in falsetto. He's, it's like a, yeah, he's that's yeah, it's wild, man. Mm-hmm. He has one of those very distinct voices. It's like I, I kind of put him and uh, Stevie Nicks in the same register because they both kind of do that. They'll hold out a note and they'll kind of go down, out of pitch a little bit, and bring it bring it right back in. Mm-hmm. And I think that they were two guys that did that the most. Everybody else just kind of would stay in line with it but they were able to really move the music that way or just make you feel a certain way like I used to play uh, I'd, I'd, I would play anything by Zeppelin when he would do that I would just like get this chill down my back like shit how can I do that you know how does that work what notes should I hit if I want to write a song and do that because mm-hmm. that'd be awesome I heard a story once that when they were recording some of that music back when they were doing was it Led Zeppelin 4 or whatever in the house yeah that uh, he liked to sing in the tub because he liked the reverb from it. You ever found that sort of thing as a singer? Like you walk into certain rooms that just have a really good sound, whether it's like maybe like a big church or a big hallway or something like that? Yeah, you start to kind of get an ear for it. Mm-hmm. You really do. You ever try anything weird like that, like recording-wise, or is it just more follow-the-rules kind of stuff? I would, I would like to, yeah. you know, but, I mean, whatever the circumstances are, but... Sometimes it's hard to do some of that in the studio because it's you, you don't have like a big. There's not a, just a church next door you can go over yeah. and, and sing in a big empty. Well, usually the vocal booths are pretty small. It's just kind of. Yeah, yeah, we say that being next door to a church that has a big mm-hmm. empty hall. Like, <laughs> but if it wasn't Why here. <laughs> I know I was just shit talking. It's fine. The best acoustics <laughs> I've ever found were probably at the Mitchell Opera House. Oh, Mitchell Opera House. Yeah, that's one of the places you said you have played, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that place is insane, man, as far as acoustics go. Well, it's I'll just, tell you what. It's like a really old-timey type of, you know, type of building. So It sounds like a really cool place uh, to, to, to go and check out sometimes. So mm-hmm. if you're ever there, you have to give us a heads up so that way we can get a chance yeah, to go, go see you. And everybody else, make sure you go follow Mr. Logan McKeegan here so you can stay up to date. If he's ever going to be there, you can go see him too. Get my cue here. It's our time to uh, head out. Any last words? Uh, just thanks to everybody who's... Uh, just listen to my album, man. All this, you know, all the support. Orange He's County Line. Check it out. It's really cool. <laughs> Spotify, I assume Apple Music, mm-hmm. all that fun yeah. stuff. Favorite places to go. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs>